0: You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks,
1: part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Bucks, the playoff edition, the Bucks playoff win edition. I was not ready to say those words today, Frank. Um, I wasn't sure when I would say those words in this series. I, I thought it might be another week the bucks win game one today. How are you?
0: Uh, I'm phenomenal, Eric. Uh, I watched the game with uh, our good friend Mitchell Maurer from brew hoop, uh, and uh, a couple other friends and my wife and, uh, our dogs and, and everybody had a grand time because, um, I, I don't know if you could, you could have, you know, put together a, a better script for, for a first bucks game in terms of just, I mean, this is just was a young team that wasn't afraid of anything. And, and we know the Raptors have had a lot of problems uh, starting series and, uh, their record, you know, I, I, John Schumann of NBA.com tweeted, uh, that I think the Raptors are, are one in 10 in their last, uh, 11, uh, series openers and the bucks had lost 17 straight, uh, road <laughs> playoff openers. So it was the, uh, unstoppable force versus the immovable object. But, um, you know, full credit to the Bucks. you know, full credit to Giannis Adetokounmpo. And, um, fortunately as the game went on, I felt in the first half, um, you know, it was really all about Giannis. And in the second half, um, just a terrific team effort, Giannis getting help from a lot of guys and, uh, a defensive effort that I certainly didn't see coming. And, and we were talking before we went on here about just you know is maybe this you know this seems like a very different team toronto team than than the one we saw early in the season when it was you know on this record-breaking offensive pace we know they're not as bad as we saw today but um you know i think take nothing away from from the box i think this was just a a phenomenal win for for a young team and um you know i think fans should be excited i think we should be excited i think the players (laughs) and the organization should be excited because hopefully there's a lot more where this came from and and again i I know i certainly was not expecting the bucks to win this series but i also wasn't expecting them to win this game and and you know they didn't uh, they didn't steal this game they won this game and i think that says a lot
1: yeah they absolutely won this game and uh pratik and i did our live stream over at espn milwaukee we'll do that for game two as well so hopefully you'll come hang out with us uh with our little side cast and essentially we just talk about the game but as we're kind of wrapping things up talking about the finish of this game and kind of how things went down there was every reason for the bucks to lose this game every reason like Giannis picks up a fourth foul with 433 left in the third quarter at the time the game is tied and uh, I mean the only thing I could think was oh okay well they survived the the first thirty minutes or so, and they can use that going forward. And this will be a a positive experience. They at least survived thirty minutes, and then they just have to figure out how to finish out those final eighteen and how to figure out how to close games. And it's all gonna go to hell now. But that wasn't the case. <laughs> um, they they picked up Giannis, and they they were able to even go out and, and get a lead there, and it, it was. Man, just a like, like I tweeted after the game. I'm totally shocked by this. Totally shocked that the game went the way it did for the first thirty minutes, and the Bucks end up by the end they boat raced them. The, we saw <laughs> like we saw actual garbage time in game one of this game after Giannis threw Demar DeRozan's shot out of bounds and he got teed up. Like they boat raced the Raptors and. Boat race was not a word I was ready to use here in the playoffs.
0: That was a complete garbage technical on Giannis. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah. And and it's amazing that, uh, it's pretty amazing that, that, you know, late in a game, Giannis would, would spike a, a DeMar DeRozan uh, f- shot attempt. Um, he pumps his fist and kind of yells at the crowd. I don't know why on earth that got a tech. Um, DeRozan started walking towards him, you know, like – like the hold me back, hold me back thing. Like, what do you, you just had a layup swatted to kingdom come. Like, I don't know what you're, yeah. what you're even going on about. Just salty ass to DeRozan. Um <laughs> So I, if the NBA, if the NBA doesn't rescind that one, then, you know, that, that, then I'm, I'm going to call that just the, you know, the second coming of the Scott Williams, uh, uh suspension. Um, not really, right? There's no, there's, there's no, <laughs> nothing really at stake, unless some, except for some charity money that Giannis would have to pay otherwise. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that really was sort of the capper on this game, and um, I, I feel like I, I feel like we'd be wrong not to use that as an excuse to talk about how freaking incredible Giannis Adedeckumbo was, and I, I thought the 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 tone he set, uh, in the early going of this game, and you know, I had a few people tweet at me about. Um, the irony of David Thorpe referring to Giannis as weak and skinny and that still being his weakness um, in a podcast he did with Zach Lowe because um, I mean Giannis was you know taking names in that first half I mean he dunked (laughs) on three of the the Raptors starters he's currently dunking on Canadian Mounties uh, in in the (laughs) suburbs of Toronto um, I don't know There, there may be some, uh, I don't know what, what, what's native wildlife of, of Canada. I don't want to say a moose cause cause we got a moose on the box. That's team, where but, I was going to go. <laughs> but I mean, he, everything you've talked about, Eric, you've made this a big point about Giannis's strength and how much of a difference that has been over the last year, year plus, uh, putting dudes under the rim and just dunking on them and how that was, that was not something he did, you know, a couple of years ago and, and now it is. And, um, you know what he did, setting the tone, racing past Valanchunas for that phenomenal dunk, um, which seemed like kind of a, you know, was going to turn into a, a half court play. And in the first quarter, uh, I think this was the first two bucks points. He, you know, just puts makes Val- Valanchunas look like a pylon, right. And, and just crams <laughs> on him. Um, and then, you know, the lefty dunk out of a post up on Damari Carroll. I mean, ridiculous Jesus that was like that's like me and like my you know like when you when you were like a kid and you had a little like nerf hoop (laughs) on your door you know and it's like if someone said like oh go dunk left hand and it's like okay and you kind of look awkward but it's so easy that it's like you're just cramming on this tiny hoop yeah and it's like on that play like Giannis still didn't he still looked like a right-handed guy dunking left-handed like it didn't really look natural but it was still so goddamn easy yeah I mean amazing and then and then the dunk uh who who was the last dunk that two-hander on was that on Surge? Was that on Surge? I think it was on Surge. I yeah. mean, the strength to pull off a play like that. Um, he was just great. And, and 15 first half points really set the tone, uh, the Bucks, And as you said, I, I don't think Giannis is the full story by any stretch because the Bucks, I think, carried the, the you know, like really extended the lead without him late in the fourth quarter but um he then came back in the fourth quarter um i think he went hit two jumpers in the fourth quarter and, and, yep. and hit that fade away that basically the dagger fade away over pj tucker um and then that big block to end it had a couple steals in the second half as well uh you know 28 points on 18 shots um eight boards three assists two steals a block you know ho-hum yannis line but uh, <laughs> but it was a playoff Giannis line and um i think i was i was i'll be honest i was Kind of in the back of my head, one of the main things I wanted out of this series was I wanted to see Giannis really rise to the occasion. Um, you know, we were used to we, for a while. We were used to seeing Giannis really rise to the occasion on national TV. Last couple of national TV games, he did not look so good. Um, so I was really excited with all the hype that he's been carrying uh, to end this season, to uh, to come out and 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 make a statement, and and more importantly, get a win.
1: Yeah, that was that was definitely a, a hype building win, and a win like that. That is an insane thing. And I guess the, the main thing that I have on my mind is how do I get to game three? That, that should be all that is on my mind. And the easiest way to do that is on SeatGeek. And you can go to SeatGeek and use our promo code. And we talk about how easy it is. And I'm looking at the SeatGeek page right now. There are still green dots on this page, Frank, there are green dots on this page for game three in Milwaukee on Thursday, April twentieth.
0: I think the they they show you when you look when you do the search for for games on Seakeek they'll like show you the list of games. You know, like I, I'd look for Raptors Bucks, and I think the games in Toronto were like trip the lowest price tickets were like triple <laughs> what they were for the Milwaukee <laughs> games. So uh, hey, this is the upside of being in a smaller market where uh, you know hey Bucks fans show out, you know prove yeah. prove that we're, uh, we're we can we can hang with uh, with Toronto fans. And um, I I mean, the nice part, I'm looking forward to having playoff games not flooded by fans from uh, the city 90 miles to the (laughs) south. So that's going to be pretty cool. Um, And more importantly, I'm excited for Bucks playoff games uh, featuring Giannis Adetokounmpo being a superstar and having a chance to uh, show the world what he can do. And being able to see that in person, um, I don't know. There's nothing really that compares to that. TV's nice, but. There's Nothing nothing still compares to seeing him live and um, obviously excited for everybody who's going to be able to make it out to these next couple games at home.
1: I feel like that is just the most exciting thing that he was in this moment and had the moment he had today and now you would hope first home game. He always talks about how much more energy he has at home and I know earlier this year he mentioned that the games that they were really playing well, like they had big crowds and it was exciting and it was fun to be a part of. And if you're a Bucks fan, I think you want to try to create that atmosphere and, and that kind of excitement for Giannis. Also, I saw they, they had the t shirts, uh, like whatever they're doing on uh, Thursday, all ready to go. So, Thursday, you get a t shirt from the Milwaukee Bucks for showing up to the game. So, black t shirts. I think they're doing the Fear to the Deer Court and all of that. So, yeah, head out to. Head out to the Bucks game three or game four. Either way, the two home games coming uh, for the Bucks and SeatGeek will find you the best deals. They do the price comparing for you. They go to the other websites. They know where all of the best deals are and they find them for you. They put them in one easy spot. You can go check out the SeatGeek app and... You can see those green dots that we always talk about. You can see the best deals right on that screen. So to get your twenty dollars rebate on tickets, first download the SeatGeek app, then go to the settings tab and click Add a promo code and enter promo code LOBUCKS. Again, that's LO bucks, and SeatGeek will send you twenty dollars after you've made your first ticket purchase. So download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code LOBUCKS. Again, LO bucks today. I think the big thing you said there was the tone. It was it was giannis's game that that was the big thing derozan had a nice first half obviously got to the free throw line a bunch and w- was generally a problem for the bucks in the first half but that was giannis's game that there were not louder baskets made there were not i mean aside from thon's blocks there were not louder defensive plays made there was not a louder impact in that game than giannis and going into this series we talked so much about the Bucks don't match up well with this team, but one thing you can hang your hat on is having the best player in in this series. And today, it wasn't the best series. It wasn't the best player in the series by a little bit. It was the best player in the series by a wide, wide, wide margin. Like there, there was not <laughs> another dude on the floor. Like again, like DeRozan looked good, but. All of a sudden, some of his shots get blocked. Giannis blocks him at the end. He's having trouble finishing around the rim. Like that's not a thing Giannis struggles with at this point. And if the Raptors can't keep him from getting to the rim, and they seem pretty uh, unable to do so today, I mean, this is this is a series that becomes a, a whole lot more winnable. And I, I don't know if I thought that was going to be possible. This Raptors team was the third best, excuse me, the the third best defensive team. In the in the NBA after the All Star break, they had kind of changed their identity. They'd become a better defensive team, and that's kind of where they're hanging their hat. And the Bucks didn't seem at, I mean, they didn't seem to care about that. They put up an offensive rating of one ten today, and just kind of took it to them whenever they needed to. And yeah, like you said, it started with Giannis, and there, there was just moments throughout where again that strength that he has just kind of shines through and it's the difference between I mean it's the difference between DeMar DeRozan and Giannis Stetokounmpo when DeMar DeRozan goes to the rim he's got to find a way to lay it up he's got to find a way to go off glass he's got to find a way to finish creatively and again DeMar DeRozan dunks on people too like we saw him try to do that a couple times a day, but where maybe DeRozan isn't quite strong enough to do that Giannis is or maybe Giannis is a few inches longer that he can finish through that and and make that play. So um, it, it was one of those games where Giannis came out and said, "This is this is my game." And I don't think, I don't know that I was a hundred percent sure that that was going to happen. I certainly hoped it was going to happen. I certainly think he's had the type of season that you thought that was going to happen, but you just didn't know because you haven't seen him in a playoff series yet. And and maybe it is a good thing that his first playoff game as the man i know he was in the playoffs uh, two years ago but his first playoff series as the man happened against a raptors team who have some sort of deficiency in game one of series um maybe maybe that will help him out and maybe they'll get better defending him and he'll struggle more as the series goes on but to start his playoffs as the man like that it just has to be huge for his confidence and for the confidence of the whole team
0: yeah, I think that's important. You know, it would have sucked if he came out and, you know, I mean, by by Giannis's standards, um, you know, if he shot nine out of 22, that would have been, you know, really bad for a lot of stars do that. And it's no big deal. Right. Yeah. But um, if he came out and kind of struggled or especially if he missed jump shots and felt and, you know, started to think a bit too much about that, then you, you do worry him a bit that, you know, did, would he start to press or something like that. But um, he clearly wasn't, you know, wasn't afraid of the moment. Um, and, you know, looking at kind of the game story, we can talk about some of his teammates who, and he had a lot of help today, which was important, especially as the game wore on. Um, but interesting to kind of look at sort of the box score and some of the key numbers there. The Bucks end up with an offensive rating of 110, um, which is maybe, you know, not, not that different from their average, but, um, bit but certainly above their average, but not like crazy, um, the big difference, though, is a defensive rating of 94.3, which is obviously phenomenal, especially against a team as good as the Raptors. And if you try to, you know, deconstruct what went right, well, you know, Toronto shooting 36% overall, 22% from three, five out of 23. Um, I like the fact that Toronto didn't shoot a ton of threes. Same number as the Bucks. Plus, Bucks were nine out of 23, so solid. Um, Bucks plus 12 from the three-point arc. Anytime the Bucks are plus 12 from the three-point arc, you're gonna like their chances against anybody. Yep. Um, Toronto did double Bucks up from the line 24 out of 33 versus 12 out of 15 um but both teams only 18 19 percent defense or offensive rebound rate that means that's a good thing right for the bucks the bucks are not a team that's going to make a ton of hay on the offensive boards but uh toronto i think does have the size to to potentially give the bucks problems um valanchunas zero offensive rebounds uh against thon maker that was good we can talk about thon and, and Greg Monroe here in a minute um but ultimately an interesting game because the pace was slow 88 possessions Uh, Fitting with with kind of the Bucks style yep, and a lot of that due to just the fact that there weren't many turnovers in this game and um, Certainly the the kind of probably most irregular number in this box score is the Bucks turnover number, which was five (laughs) only five turnovers all game Um, Toronto had just three steals all game They have just four fast break points. They end up with only seven points off those five turnovers whereas Uh, Toronto only eleven turnovers, which isn't that's not many turnovers, right? That's (laughs) certainly below the Bucks opponent average. You always prefer you know, if you had told me the Bucks would force eleven turnovers, I'd say, oh, that's not good. But the Bucks scored nineteen points off those eleven turnovers. They score seventeen fast break points, so they, you know, again, were able to push off the turnovers, and they were able to push off of defensive rebounds as well. And you know, we saw Giannis obviously the the most obvious guy getting getting out in transition, but um, overall that was obviously a a big part of the story today. And um, I just never Never felt like as good as the Raptors have been in the second half of the season I just never felt like Toronto really put the pressure on the Bucks defensively you know like it never felt like a ton of bodies were going at Giannis uh, I don't know I mean they they did double team Chris Middleton we were talking about that before the podcast but it, it never felt like the Bucks were really on their on the back foot you know um and and they kind of did what they wanted for much of the game and and uh, obviously chris middleton only four out of 15 he struggled he took a lot of tough shots but did kind of good things everywhere else and uh, you know i mean i don't know I, i'm i don't want to question too much here because obviously the end result was really good and um you know we're, we know that kyle lowry isn't going to go two for eleven and oh for six from three in another game this series but yeah, as much as he scored 27 points in his first game back I think five games ago but he didn't get out of uh, the teens in any of the other games he's played so I don't know maybe maybe Kyle Lowry isn't 100% and certainly he's you know if if he's not going to be superstar Kyle Lowry then then that's obviously going to be something that works in the Bucks favor and to your point you know I don't think it's crazy to now especially with the Bucks now having home court the rest of the way here I don't think it's crazy to start thinking about the Bucs as, as having a very legitimate chance of you know springing an upset. I think there's a lot of work to be done, but um, but I think lots of things to to feel good about. And you know, first and foremost, just the confidence and um, the steadiness with which they played on both ends.
1: I think one thing that kind of interests me with this Bucs team is that offensively they spend so much time trying to get to those mismatches, and it's a thing that just drives you absolutely insane during the regular season but when pace slows down and all you're trying to do is kind of make an entry pass to one of your better players you're trying to make an entry pass to Middleton you're trying to make an entry pass to Giannis and you're trying to make that pass because they have a switch that becomes about as safe of a pass as you can throw to someone no like you're throwing from a weaker player to one of your best players who has some sort of mismatch and and that kept happening where it'd be pj tucker where it would be um cory joseph on chris middleton like that's a that's a very safe pass and part of me wonders if this this offensive style that the bucks have which all of us pretty much dislike um <laughs> it's not super fun to watch and during regular season games it can just get bogged down and turn into a bunch of missed ugly shots part of me wonders if all of a sudden in the playoffs that can be a bit of a strength that you go to your main guys and they're looking for mismatches and you're trying to find those mismatches and finding good shots there and i i don't know that was just something that struck me during the game that okay the the raptors are doing these pick and rolls and doing all these other things and they're ending with their best players not taking those shots they're they're ending with Kyle Lowry trying to pass it off to someone else. They're ending with DeMar DeRozan. Um, again, he shot twenty one times. So there's plenty of times where he does get to the rim, but there's times where the Bucks are actively forcing him to to throw it to someone else. And um, part of me wonders if the, this style that is not particularly fun to watch could actually end up being a- effective here. And I don't know. Like the it didn't seem crazy to me that there was only five turnovers for the Bucks. Like there was very few times where I thought oh, they they were lucky not to turn the ball over there. There was some sloppy plays, like the one time Giannis in transition kind of fell over and, I don't know, just looked generally out of sorts, and that could have been a turnover and it turned into a three. But other than, other than that, there wasn't a ton of times where I thought, oh, yeah, the Bucks got lucky there. Like, they just played a, a clean game. They played a relatively simple game, and they were able to, able to take advantage and end up winning this one. And I guess kind of moving forward on that, um, the the time when Giannis goes out with 4:33 left in the fourth quarter, and you kind of think, oh, this is this is not going to go well. Um, that there, there just seems no way that that this can work for the Bucks. And the Bucks had to bring Chris Middleton back in. I, I think he had just gotten subbed out, and then they brought him back in uh, when Giannis picked up that fourth and they just went to uh, Middleton with Corey Joseph on him over and over again in the post and he ended up having an assist, a steal and an assist, two free throw makes there, and then there was the I think a couple sequences where they came on the double, uh, which again, this is this is kind of the fun stuff with playoff basketball is the Raptors sent a double from the post player um that was whoever was in the post uh, below Middleton, so a lot of the times it ended up being Valanchunas coming off of Monroe. And in the first half, Middleton saw it, got an easy pass to Monroe, and that was an easy finish for him. In the second half, they started doing a better job covering Monroe on that dive, and I think maybe the prettiest play of the game was Middleton throws a skip over the top to Brogdon, who catches it with one hand, tosses it, I think, to Delhi and Delhi cashes in the 3 and if it wasn't Delhi it was sna- I think it was Delhi Delhi cashes in the 3 and I think that took the Bucks up 3 um, and there was just sequences like that where all of a sudden all that started to work and it, it's just kind of crazy to think that Giannis goes out and it was 64-64 and then all of a sudden at the end of the four, or at the end of the third quarter it's 75 to 70 like man uh, in a uh, again, it's only an eleven to six run, but still, it's a run. And they were plus five with Giannis not on the floor, and the whole time, uh, or the whole time, Prateek and I were watching that game, trying to figure out how do the Bucks attempt to survive this. The the main thing was, well, you just got to keep it close to get to the fourth quarter, so Giannis can play those final twelve. And they didn't just do that; they got him a lead, and you give Giannis a five point cushion to play as hard as he can in those final 12 minutes and it ended up working out it, it, it was just kind of a crazy series of events
0: yeah i mean getting it was an 11 to run um with that with that unit the non giannis unit um in, in that period of late late in that third quarter and you know i mean this is kind of the the upside right of we've kind of pondered like why the bucks aren't better with Giannis on the court and why the bucks have been actually surprisingly decent without him um, and you know again i think we will we will see the, the numbers with Giannis in court get better and better in the future. Um, but uh, you just hope that they can continue to kind of, you know, not just um, avoid disaster, but actually like at times even even extend leads. And we saw this on that West Coast road trip as well. They had a number of, of periods where they started yeah. a fourth quarter without Giannis and they were actually able to play well and you know get leads and um i think it was uh you know just a big positive for the bucks here that you know the belief that even with their best player playing at a really high level um being on the bench being in foul trouble um they're able to kind of make plays and and again sort of ex- extend that lead out um like
1: that for that four minutes has to be terrifying like, for the raptors like they just saw the bucks can do things without Giannis, and now when Giannis goes out of the game that bench unit will have confidence and if you're the Raptors, that has to be, that has to be terrifying.
0: As as terrifying as real dinosaurs. Correct. In fact, Correct. Um, to 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 throw back to, I don't even remember making that comment, but somebody tweeted that back at me, and, and I thought, oh, that's that's, that's, a, a that's an
1: in-joke. that's an in joke.
0: That's an in joke. In joke. In um, joke. Yeah. So uh, let's um. So looking at the, let's talk a little bit, for a moment about the centers, and it was kind of funny before before we came on the air. Um, I was saying how i thought i didn't think monroe played well in the first half and it it was interesting because we had like sort of different reactions to how monroe played in the first half and it's basically because you were in the first and then where i was looking back at the popcorn machine uh game flow and he had six points and four rebounds in the first quarter and that's what you kind of like you were like dude no he was awesome in the first quarter and you're (laughs) you're right uh he was like a big part of them getting that lead to to go to 30 to 22 um in in the first quarter um and then it was interesting, though, because and I was thinking a little bit, too, because I think but Ibaka, you were right, too. Yeah. Well, in the second quarter, so in the second quarter, then he stays in and the Bucks give up a 15 run run um, with a lineup of Jet, Deli, Mirza, Moose and Giannis. And Giannis was basically the only guy to score a point out of that five for that five man group yeah. um, to start the quarter. He had eight um, in the quarter and, and the other guys didn't really do anything. And, and so that was a bit painful to watch. Um, and Valanchunas didn't score in the first quarter at all, um, which leads kind of into the other center that we'd probably want to talk about upon maker. Um, but Monroe in the second, second half, I mean, I think we can all agree, like he was really good in the second half, got better as the game went on, um, had some kind of key buckets, uh, working again, especially Serge Ibaka, um, (laughs) when, when they tried to go small. Um, But also, I mean, matched up with Valanchunas and outplayed Valanchunas as well overall. Um, So so he was big and especially on the boards. Right. I mean, I mentioned the uh, the defensive rebound rates for both teams above 80 percent. And the fact that Toronto, obviously, uh, especially the Bucks not being a defensive rebounding team with a guy like Valanchunas, um, you know, that that's one area where he can hurt you. And Monroe with 10 defensive rebounds today, he was obviously very big, especially given that um, at various points, the Bucks went went pretty small. Um, and, you know, with with basically, you know, whatever it was, you know, Deli, Brogdon uh what was it Snell and and Middleton with with mm-hmm. Moose late in the third quarter. So, um, so he was great and was say, made-
1: before you go to Thon, as I was gonna say, the funny thing with Greg is it's not rare for him to have a game where he has five offensive rebounds. Like that isn't that isn't an unusual thing, but most of the time, at least three of those five are his own misses. Like, he'll he'll miss a layup, and then he'll get an offense rebound. So most of the time when you think about Greg's offense rebounds, you're like, eh, okay, well, he he got three tonight, but they don't really mean anything. I don't know if one of those five was on his own misses tonight. I think that was legitimately at least four possessions that – Greg gave gave them a second chance, and there there were some backbreakers there. Like they were long rebound, like long rebounds that were in no man's land. That Greg went out, found, tapped once or twice, and somehow came down with it. And the, I mean, those extra possessions in a playoff game that's played at a pace of eighty eight, that's huge, absolutely huge. And especially when the the Bucks shot a fine percentage tonight to get those extra possessions, no turnovers, Like you're just piling more and more things on the Raptors. And it it was just funny because after the game, I looked at the five offense rebounds, and again, that's that's not unusual. But the fact that none of the – I don't think any of them came on a Greg Monroe miss, which is quite rare, and it it just kind of spoke to me that he had that big of an impact tonight. And and, uh, as many cliches as you may want to have, and I know – everyone's talked about this being Greg Monroe's first playoff game ad nauseum, but man, that dude wanted to be out there. He he was excited to be in the playoffs and he played great today.
0: Yeah, he really, I was, I was happy for him. Um, and, and thought that, you know, it, it was cool to see Greg get the podium game after, uh, afterwards I saw him at the podium, um, you know, in his first playoff game to get, get a win. Um, that, that was cool to see. Um, so, so that was really nice to see. And, and also really nice to see, um, is uh, is Thon Maker, you know, in his first playoff game, <laughs> in his rookie year? Uh, now, you know, maybe maybe Moose and and Maker have played in the same number of of career playoff games, but um, but it was nice to see Thon come out and uh, you know, again, I think as I mentioned, we we were concerned that Valanchunas was, you know, they were going to go through Valanchunas and he was going to bully Thon in the in the block, down low. They didn't even really look for for <laughs> Valanchunas, and no. and I think that'll be. Will be an interesting thing to see in game two. You know, do they try to change things up and play more through uh, um because he is a guy who has had some big playoff games last season. Uh, he's not a guy that they t- typically uh, that they typically rely on um, for for big fourth quarter minutes, and obviously it seems like you know their preference is to play surge at the five um in crunch time but tonight there was no real crunch time so that was nice uh and and it was nice to see thon you know really playing within himself and i thought to get away with thon and to get a real plus out of thon you would need to run pick and roll pick and pops with him to try to get him pulling Balanchunas out to the three-point arc they really didn't do that much um he had one put back
1: his one pick and pop bucket was on a pick and roll with tony snell
0: yeah, it was like a fourteen foot or something like that. <laughs> it was strange. Um, so not exactly like you know the NBA ideal of of Thon Maker's usage. Um, <laughs> he also had a putback or two for two uh, from the field. Um, but in it, to start that game, I think you saw his movement and um, what we were talking about before the, the 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 game to or sorry before the podcast was. You know it's interesting comparing Moose and and Maker defensively, especially in pick and roll coverage, because obviously they're very different types of players in general. And with Moose, it's funny because you think of guys who are big and you normally think, well, you don't want them being too far from the basket. You know, they can't recover. But with Greg, he's got such good hands and and I think he does have good instincts and, and, you know, it's kind of feast or famine, right? Like when you when you have him play aggressively. But I think you really need to have him hedge pretty hard or, you know, show pretty hard. Try to, you know, maybe not trap every time or anything, but but try to use those hands, get poked the ball away. Um get it so that he's not just backing up because if he's backing up if he's zone dropping, I, I just think I mean He's not a rim protector. Yeah He guys are gonna go buy him like I just don't think you can kind of make hay with him that way Which is kind of weird, you know, I think like well the guy like Monroe you want to play aggressively defensively is a little weird Um, but I think that we've seen that sort of throughout the season that that's more the case and again He's gonna have games where he's going to look terrible and and he's going to get exposed at times. And, you know, but but I think there are ways and there are going to be games where he looks really good. And tonight was one of those games. And with Thon, he looked very good in different ways, right? I mean, he he has more of a margin of error just because he's so physically gifted in terms of his his feet being so good and, and being able to move as quickly as he can. And we saw him repeatedly, you know, I mean, he didn't read every pick and roll, right? I think DeMarzen had, DeRozan had a layup in the third quarter, early in the third quarter, where Thon... Basically took the wrong side of the pick and roll, couldn't recover. DeRozan finished past him, but you know three blocks, um, probably altered another three or four where you know DeRozan or Lowry got to the rim. He challenged, and you know they threw it off the backboard and got nothing else. <laughs> you know didn't even get rim. Yeah. And when he does that, obviously he can come out and defend further out on the perimeter, um, but he can also move his feet and track guys. He doesn't have to wall a guy off. Um, he can track with guys. I, I tweeted a, a retweeted a, a video someone took of, of Maker coming out to the three point line and basically tracking Lowry step for step, driving to the hoop, um, forcing a kick out. Ironically, Thon ended up going even going out of bounds, so maybe he, the last part maybe wasn't ideal. But um, but what he brought to start that third quarter defensively really sparked the bucks and and they got out and and made a number of plays probably the biggest was when he had a one block that you know they quickly sprinted out got it to Giannis Valanciunas pushed him in the back got up got an and one um that was a huge play in terms of again you know bringing the bucks back from that deficit that I was with you I mean I I was worried you know the, the Raptors go up seven the tide feels like it's turning a bit um but you know again full credit to Thon he he was not afraid of the moment um, you know, he, he avoided just getting bulldozed, uh, under the basket and probably the Raptors played into his strengths a bit, um, because they didn't look to just sort of pound him inside. They, they tried to drive at him and obviously blocking shots is one thing that, that he's done. Maybe not, you know, at a very high level, but he clearly has the physical tools and I, w- I was just excited for him, excited to see him do that because, um, that's obviously it's, it's huge if you can get fun these you know 12 13 minutes whatever and um have him make big plays and bring that energy and um you know it's nice when we can sit around saying like man i think i think fawn is ready for playing in even quarters <laughs> uh dare we say but uh, but it will be interesting to watch i don't know what any any other thoughts on fawn he obviously uh, we saw spencer haas as well any other thoughts on the on the bucks big man rotation
1: i thought in the first half um and it was something we talked about on the sidecast at espn milwaukee but Pratik and I were talking about, there was just straight-line drives everywhere for the Raptors. It, it seemed like nothing was really difficult for them, and I mean, obviously, DeRozan had that big first half, and you just kept thinking, man, he's getting to the basket really easily, and then either the Bucks would follow him late, or whatever it may be, and and there was other drives like that where they were getting to the basket easily, and we were saying that that, that just can't continue. like That can't be how this continues to to go for the Bucks, there, there's no way they will have success if that continues. And to start the third quarter, it did, but at the end of those straight line drives, Thon was coming out of nowhere and, and making blocks. And I, I thought, like you said, that that kind of set the tone for the defense in the second half. I, I thought after those blocks, it seemed like in the pick and roll, the Bucks were having a, a lot more confidence they were figuring out exactly kind of how they wanted to cover it and I thought I thought like you said at times Thon isn't going to be in the right spot and especially with as crafty as DeRozan is and as as quickly as the Raptors will sometimes flip those pick and rolls like in what I mean there is they'll start screening on the left side and then flip over to the right side and DeRozan and Lowry are both so crafty at making that work that they can kind of take advantage of you if your feet aren't ready if you haven't seen them do it before and like they can do that to Thon but man the 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 great plays you saw from Thon tonight is kind of what everyone has always been drooling about with him defensively and you mentioned one of those possessions the one where he ends up a little bit behind where he should be on his hedge on Lowry, Lowry Lowry's dribbling with his left hand like right down the left lane line and Thon just stays completely with him and then Lowry ended up tossing it out And I think there was eight seconds left on the clock and DeRozan caught on the right wing, took a couple dribbles. And then Thon had recovered from where he was with Lowry on out of bounce (laughs) on the rights or on the left side of the floor. He had recovered to kind of help out on DeRozan there. And then I think it was either shot clock violation or missed shot at the end of that possession. And, that was him putting it all together. That was him running step for step with one of the quickest point guards in the league. Then that was him recovering after and challenging and helping in another spot on the floor. And those are those are just things that other bigs can't do. That That is just not something a guy like Greg Monroe can do. He he can't do that. But Thon can. And all those moments, that that is the, the Thon everyone kind of dreams of and kind of hopes that at one point, at some at some point in his career, that we see that all the, not all the time because that seems probably impossible because he might be the greatest defensive player in the history of basketball if it's all the time, but he can do more often. And something that fascinates me too is you mentioned how differently Monroe and Maker play those pick and rolls, and the, again there is the sequence where Monroe ends up. Monroe ends up on the fast break, he gets fouled on the fast break layup attempt, which was the most moose sequence of events in the history of fast break moose, (laughs) um, that he somehow got caught from behind and didn't manage to toss it to Giannis or even really get a shot and just threw it at the bottom of the rim. Um, it it was fantastic, but it it speaks to how different they go. Yeah. Greg really attacks those plays like it, it is it is not just a hedge like you said it is a blitz like he is blitzing that and for a team like the Raptors who use the pick and roll all the time and, and if you saw the synergy I think you tweeted it out or retweeted it the synergy preview of this series the Raptors use the pick and roll more than I think anyone else in the league and they're more efficient than anyone else in the league in the pick and roll so the bucks are going to get bludgeoned with pick and rolls this entire series the the Raptors are not gonna change out of that. That is how they play. With that in mind though, if you have two centers and they play it totally different, that's two more things that the Raptors have to come up with with counters for. So the counter for Greg blitzing so high might be, okay, well, we'll bring another player up and then we can toss it over here. But you can't use that same counter with Thon. You have to think of a different counter with Thon and the fact that they have more things to prepare for like that's the big thing in the playoffs is can you do what you did successfully in game 1 can you do that successfully in game 2 or can the other team find a counter out of it if there are more things and more things that they have to try to prepare for and counter that makes their job more difficult and i i hadn't really thought about it till this moment but they play it very differently and if thon and greg turn into your two centers if you think thon can go above the Let's see, had 15 tonight, if he can take on Haas' seven minutes, so if he can go up to 20-ish minutes, 22 minutes, if you think he can do that, that presents two very different things for the Raptors to prepare for and two very different things that you can do defensively.
0: Yeah, and uh, we were uh, and i forget—I don't even know if I mentioned on this actual podcast or I was just saying it to you beforehand. But um, but it's almost like Moose is a a soccer goalie and and Thon's is like a hockey goalie. Whereas you know the the, the soccer goalie, you know, he's got to cut down the angle. Like he's you, know, you, mm-hmm. you can't you can't just sit on the goal line and and stop uh, shots in soccer because the goal is just way too damn big. And with, with Moose, I mean, he's just. The, the, effectively the goal becomes too big. Um, if he's if he's hanging back and letting guys get a full head of steam against him, whereas Thon again he can he can go uh, he can go with guys and, and and hang with them, which which obviously is what makes him so so intriguing. Um, I, it, it's interesting. I yeah, I mean Spencer Haas plays again tonight. Um, I don't know. It feels like Jason Kidd playing Spencer Haas second quarter minutes is like just super superstition at this point. Like I don't. I don't know if Jason Kidd actually has a, a good reason for it. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about Thon and and again being a young guy who brings a ton of energy. Like is he gonna run out of gas maybe if he has to play twenty to twenty five minutes versus ten to fifteen? I don't know. You know, I mean he, yeah. he obviously played well in, in that Detroit game where he came back in the fourth quarter and, and made huge plays um to help the Bucks win. Um but, you know, obviously this is something that in the future we're gonna see him play much, you know, many more minutes than he does now. One, um but, I was
1: thinking too I would probably question if he could play more if they ever gave the ball to Valanchunas on the block. Like, that would make me wonder, like, oh, can he hold up for more minutes? But the Raptors seem totally uninterested in that today.
0: Yeah, and that was one of those interesting things that coming into this game, you kind of worried that Thon starting against Valanchunas and then Greg having to likely finish games against Serge. Um, you know, both of those mismatches, especially, you know, Moose versus Ibaka, you know, again, you would hope that Moose could take advantage of of his strength differential against Surge in the post, uh, even if maybe he gives up something in terms of getting stretched out by Surge on the other end. Um, but you worried certainly for sure that that with Valanchunas and Thon, that that, that bulk advantage could wear Thon down. But yeah, for some reason, it, it just didn't even seem like a a thought to them and. You know, again, maybe part of it's because they want to run so much pick and roll and the Bucks, you know, didn't obviously give up really much in the way of, of Valanchunas pick and rolls when Thon was on the court. But um, but I think it will definitely be interesting to see because I think that was definitely a thing I was worried about. I didn't I, I, I thought Kid was totally justified in continuing to start Thon. I mean, we can say that there's something superstitious about that as well. But yeah. the Bucks starting five with Thon has been really good. So, yep. you know, again, I don't I don't see anything wrong with it. And it does let you stretch out Moose's minutes and and play him more minutes in in second and fourth quarters which um you know again if he's the best player then or the best center then you know that's not a bad thing. So it'll be interesting to see. I don't you know again I don't really need to see Spencer Hawes or for that matter John Henson. Um I'm sure we'll see John Henson because it seems like you know Jason Kidd is going to get everybody in even though this is the playoffs and we, we were you know 24 hours ago talking about shortening rotations and let's be honest is that really going to happen with with Kidd? I don't know. Um although it was interesting to see even with Giannis foul trouble that, um, I don't think he played Mirza and Beasley at all before garbage time in the second half. Did he? I, I, I felt like they, nope. and, and, and the flip side is I think he was over reliant on Delhi. Uh, and if we're going to talk about kind of negatives from this game, you know, Delhi playing 32 minutes didn't have, I don't think he either had zero or one assist. Um, He did draw a stupid foul uh, on DeMar DeRozan biting on a pump pick, uh, which at the time was pretty important. And he hit a big three, I think, also in that late third quarter. So he made a couple big shots there. But, um, you know, fourth quarter, I mean, it it ultimately didn't matter because obviously the Raptors couldn't make any shots. But um, seeing Delhi just being the guy initiating the entire offense repeatedly when you've got Brogdon, Chris, and Giannis out there with him, I mean – uh
1: it seemed like the most predictable awful thing that was gonna happen right
0: yeah it was it was like kid was worried that bucks twitter wouldn't have anything to bitch and moan about so he was just, just like all right you know tap to tap the right wrist deli go go run some you know really deliberate and painful pick and rolls with chris where you know you spend 12 seconds just trying to get chris and iso 22 feet from the hoop on the right side of the court um <laughs> So that, that maybe was not the highlight of the game, but uh obviously you you know the the end result will will snow that under and and no one's gonna to to worry about that too much. It but, was so strange um,
1: too when they kept going to that set because they kept running it so Deli could go to the corner and then throw it up to Chris when don't you want it the opposite way, like Chris could get to the block and yeah. th- they kept running it and I was like yeah. what why does my brain hurt so much right now and why does this keep happening like just flip it flip the other way and then it's not actively the worst play i've ever seen it's still not a great play but it's not actively the worst thing i've ever seen
0: <laughs> well i i will say this i still love delhi as a screener probably more than anything um he i think he did spring two guys for layups with um yep. you know where they run that play where it's like moose sort of on it looks like a push set and Delhi comes up, and it's almost like Delhi is crowding the, the high elbow yep. catch, but he's actually coming up to set a screen on, on the wing who makes the entry pass. And then the, you know I think Middleton was the guy I remember first, cutting through and, and getting a layup because basically Dele just mucking up the, uh, the whole half side yeah. of the court there. But I said, um, that, I
1: said that on the sidecast we did at ESPN Milwaukee today, that no one on this earth cares more about setting a good screen at the point guard position than Matthew Dellavedova. Like, no one. <laughs> <laughs> no one cares that much. And, like, to to his credit, that's one of his greatest traits. Like, that's why he can get guys open so often, and that, a lot of the time that's why they get the switches that they get. Like, when you see Middleton get the switch from Corey Joseph, like – it's because Delhi set a, a good screen and actually cared enough to. <laughs> I mean, it's probably illegal. Like he's like wrapping up other like wing players so they can't get there. But a lot of the times when you're a smaller dude, they don't call like they don't call it and they let you get away with it. And to his credit, he definitely cares. I'm not going to say too much because uh, those kind of small things are what allows him to be an NBA player. Um, but yeah, he, he cares a lot about setting good screens and the Bucks have, have found ways to use it.
0: Uh by the way, it's criminal that we've talked about Delhi this much and not talked about Brogdon much at all. God um, the
1: threes he hit were so big today. Huge, i I wouldn't yeah. say he had the best game um today, but God, those he hit four threes, four of seven from the three point line, six of thirteen, um sixteen points, six rebounds, two assists. So definitely a solid day. Um and from a second rounder and from uh, I mean, that's a good day. That it's it's very solid, but I swear all four of those threes were hit at the biggest possible moments.
0: Yeah, you had to feel good for him. He played 34 minutes. Um, you know, Brogdon looking confident and steady and all the usual Brogdon cliches that we're used to. Uh, <laughs> that's just, just so big for the Bucks to have him be available. And again, I'd like to see a lot more Brogdon than, than Delhi handling it late. Um, but but I thought he acquitted himself really well. I think, you know, any the, the votes are now cast for rookie of the year. I think we saw a good example today of you know, but we don't. I mean, I don't really care that much. I don't think Sharich deserves it. I think, and we don't there's we don't least, care
1: nearly as much as Philly fans do. I know that. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I, I um, I would be. I think there's at least an argument for Embiid in the sense that he was by far the best rookie yep. and and was so phenomenal. I mean, Sharich was just put up more points basically, and he like had a lot of like basically garbage time season stats sort of over yep. the last month but every advanced metric favors brogdon and you know playing on a winning team and playing such a key role um you know it, it was really great to see him also step up in uh, in his first playoff game and, and really make a big difference so that was um that was great to see and and um uh, i want to really happy for happy for all these guys but but brogdon just another guy who who did a you know Carried carried on, did his business, and um, you know we probably shouldn't be shocked, but to see him do it in game one of his playoff career is is, is great to see.
1: I want to end here. If I can give you a mulligan on your series prediction, you predicted Raptors in six when we talked with Sean Woodley uh, of Lockdown Raptors earlier this week. If I give you the chance at a mulligan, are you taking it?
0: Um, I'm certainly more likely to say like. I mean I still think the Bucks are not favored favored to win this series. I mean I think Toronto's still a lot better than we've seen so far. I think, you know, this was in my notes just the fundamental question of, you know, how much of this is a one game aberration for for the Raptors and how much of it is just the fact that the Bucks are, you know, can match up with them and can go toe for toe for them and they have the best, the best player uh in this series, right? They have Giannis and we saw today he is the best player in this series and um I think it's going to be really interesting. I, mean, I think a lot of it comes down to, you know, is Kyle Lowry and, and DeRozan, are they going to be the all-star caliber guys we're used to? Or are they going to be the all-star caliber guys that we're used to seeing in the playoffs who don't necessarily play like all-star caliber guys? Yeah. Um, and and so I think it's really interesting. I mean, I, I think the Bucks, I think the Bucks have a legitimate chance to win this series. I think their odds of winning are higher um i don't they are definitely higher obviously i mean they won the first game but um i i don't think i would favor them i might say like raptors in 7 at this point um but but i don't know i mean with this raptors team they've seemed they've been so fragile at times the last few years that you know i mean maybe the bucks can win this win this in 6 themselves right i think yep. i think that's probably i think i think raptors in 7 or bucks in 6 feels like suddenly but feels like the two most likely outcomes um whereas i would have previously said raptors in five or raptors in six as the two most likely outcomes um and and i don't know but and and it kind of gets back to what we talked about in the past you know i mean we're so used to the the muscle memory of of shivering you know when we hear about the raptors and and how many games they've won over the bucks again that that was a different raptors team i think I think this Raptor team, in a lot of ways, has has more potential, more upside than maybe some of the other teams they've had. But when you think about, you know, the Bucks and the the fact that you know, oh, you think of them struggling when they give up a lot of threes. You know, you just kind of go up and down this Raptor lineup, and you know, DeRozan is is their shooting guard, and he doesn't want to shoot threes. Damari Carroll can shoot an open three, but he doesn't really want to jack threes.
1: I still Ibaka, I was gonna say when DeRozan took that long two from the top of the key on a catch and shoot when they were down double digits in the fourth quarter I was like my god that perfectly sums up DeMar DeRozan like what how do you not get your feet behind the line in that situation I I know you're adverse to the three-point like you don't like it I get it but come on man like your team is down double digits that has to be a three and somehow he straddles the line it was insane but Sorry, it was
0: like he was a. It, it's like he he's a Milwaukee Buck or something like that. Um, <laughs> but uh, but no, you just go down the lineup, and you know they they have a, a four man who can step outside a bit, but they're starting small forward DeMarre Carroll can hit threes, but he's not like a knockdown guy who's hitting stuff in people's faces. DeRozan doesn't want to shoot threes; he scores in different ways. Um, PJ Tucker is kind of similar to Carroll. You know, he can open, hit an open three, but not a guy who's going to really hurt you that much, you know, in terms of stuff, shooting stuff in your face. Corey Joseph, again, similar story. He's not Kyle Lowry from three-point range, right? Um, and Norm Powell, who's been buried on the bench, um, he's also not a knockdown guy, um, did play a little bit tonight. So, um, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I, th- I think a guy like Patrick Patterson is one of the few guys who I can picture just sort of like, you know, killing you as a Bucks fan with yep. open corner threes and you know, all that stuff he was one out of three from three tonight. You know, he's, his role has been reduced with the um being on the team. Now, um, a you know, 19 points, 14 boards, um, three blocks. I mean, he, he had a, a bunch of big plays, but yeah. you know, ultimately, you know, he wasn't even guarding Giannis most of the time, obviously. But, um, but you know, as well as he played, uh, he still obviously was nowhere near as good as, as Giannis. Um, so, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, the Raptors, if, I think if the Bucks can score efficiently, the Raptors, suddenly look very beatable i would say that because this raptor team they they got by by playing defense in the second half of the season we know they have a lot of offensive potential when Lowry and derozan are at their best um but there's no more Terrence ross um you know there's there's no more gravis vasquez from a couple years ago knocking down like five threes in (laughs) a game against the bucks or whatever he did (laughs) before the bucks you know gave away a bunch of value to get him uh let's ignore that um so yeah I, i think there's i think the bucks I don't know if it was a blueprint today for how the Bucks beat them, but sure, why not, right? I mean, I think we saw it today that, yeah, the Bucs have talent, and the Raptors, they can be vulnerable. So um, okay. so anyway, time to be excited as a Bucks fan, I think, is the bottom line.
1: The one adjustment I haven't mentioned yet, do you think there's a chance tonight, I would say the primary assignment on Giannis was Damari Carroll probably – 60% of the time in PJ Tucker 40% of the time somewhere around there maybe it was closer to 50-50 but that was pretty much the extent maybe there was a couple possessions where Ibaka uh, ends up switching on to him and obviously he had that dunk on Abaca. so it's like, it, it would happen but to me it seemed like Carroll and Tucker were the two primary assignments do they go to Abaca? Like, like with the way that Giannis was kind of just outranked the strength thing out like just being stronger than carol and tucker and being able to get downhill do you think abaca is a, a direction they go because i'm not sure if that's the answer either
0: yeah i i don't know i mean because because surge also i mean it's it's a, i don't want to compare him to Giannis necessarily i mean they're not that they have some similarities defensively i mean i think surge you don't want because because Giannis. i mean as much as he can post up smaller guys like you don't want to also have Serge guarding 20 feet from the hoop. Giannis sort of attacking from the top, you know. So, um, so I, I don't know. I don't think they have necessarily any good answers there. And obviously, when they go big, or sorry, when they go small with Serge at center, the Bucks usually don't go super small either. So, that, you know, he's it's going to be a, a center matchup there. So, it, it is interesting, kind of what they'll do. You can you can obviously put different guys on on Snell or whatever, but I mean, I don't think you want Serge Ibaka guarding, you know far you know Tony Snell in the perimeter that that doesn't make sense. But um and also by the way shout out to Tony Snell. Eleven point it didn't shoot great today, but three out of seven from three, um, eleven points on eleven shots, you know, not great efficiency, but um four rebounds, three assists, and um, hit some big threes and and had one huge dunk. Tony Snell randomly throwing down huge dunks these days. Strange, I'm a big stuff. Fan of that.
1: Strange stuff going on. And yeah, I think the Bucks blueprint is pretty pretty I, I'm not gonna say Un, untouchable but like that's what the bucks did today is kind of what you're you're looking for the offense should run primarily through Giannis, middleton and monroe with some bench units with some brogdon sprinkled in and they went to that and they they tried to try to find post mismatches and then they would have those moments of very good ball movement and if the bucks are moving the ball like that and hitting threes uh, like they were today if Snell and Brogdon are kind of the guys there knocking those down at the end of those those ball movement sequences that's that's pretty repeatable bucks basketball
0: yeah and let's let's just hope i mean i don't think tony snell basic, basically didn't play at all in the second and fourth quarters yep. um i think he eventually basically played the entire first and third quarters, uh which is just I don't know, kinda weird. Um I I would let's just say this. I'll I feel better about the bucks um if they put Snell in for Delhi in some of these high leverage fourth quarter minutes and then just let somebody else initiate offense yeah. <laughs> like Brogdon or Chris or Giannis um down the stretch because I think, you know, I, I just feel like that gives you a better chance of winning. I know we know Kid likes to have multiple ball handlers and etc etc et cetera, but I mean I think Brogdon Chris and Giannis count as multiple ball handlers so um, anyway nothing to get too bent out of shape on um, after one of the the coolest most enjoyable Bucks wins of I don't know (laughs) fill in fill in time period right the the last decade I mean this this was a great win 2001 um,
1: I don't
0: know yeah I mean I you know I I think back to uh, certainly the the wins um, against the Hawks the two home game wins I, I came back I was finishing business school at the time and I came back for for games three and four, which were just so much fun. Um, yeah. The crowd was was phenomenal for those games, and um, I think obviously the the win uh, with the Dudley shot uh, to beat the Bulls obviously was a phenomenal win, and even the win after that in Chicago, well, those were really fun wins. But but this is a this is a better team. You know, Toronto is a better team, I think, than than those teams that they beat then, and, and the Bucks um, are a better team. And the Bucks, more importantly, the Bucks are a much better team and they have a much better superstar or they have a superstar now, which <laughs> um I think just sort of just I, I mean that's probably the hardest thing that I'm having that I'm having to sort of reconcile. Like when you asked me about do I change my prediction? I, I still have, you know, that little sad pessimist Bucks <laughs> fan on my shoulder who's telling me like Don't you know, do it.
1: Don't buy who, in. You know you're, you're just gonna be hurt.
0: Yeah, we can't have nice things and, uh, you know, maybe they'll win one or two games in a playoff series and just be happy with that. Um, But then the other half says (laughs) Giannis, you have Giannis. And, uh, And and that's that's a game changer and that's a franchise changer. Having having a guy like Giannis who who is going to be the best player in in most of the playoff series that he uh, he's going to participate in from now on. So um, I think you always have a chance when you have the best player. And um, I don't know. I still don't know how much how how good of a chance the Bucks have. But certainly from here on out, um, you know they've got three home, three home games, three road games left to try to win three games. Um, and again, uh, this is a this is a tough team they're playing. They're going to be better. Uh, the next time they play, but um, I think a lot of room for for optimism. And look, as a fan, whether you think the Bucks are going to win the series or not at this point, who cares? Th- this was a great Saturday for the Milwaukee Bucks and their fans, and uh, I think we should enjoy it because because that's why we watch sports, right? Enjoy the good days.
1: Absolutely. And as I mentioned before, enjoyed the good day by going to one of these games at the Bradley Center. Uh, again, taking a look at SeatGeek. There are green dots all over the place, which is crazy to think. A playoff game, there should not be green dots. So head over to SeatGeek. Use our promo code L-O-B-U-C-K-S. Again, that's L-O-B-U-C-K-S at SeatGeek for a $20 rebate on your first SeatGeek purchase. That's going to be it for us for today on Lockdown Bucks. We went way long because you know what? That was a freaking awesome Saturday and a freaking awesome game (laughs) of basketball, and I'm excited, and I don't really much care. I think we probably could have gone for another hour if we really needed to. Um, So... Hope you enjoyed it. We'll talk to you. I don't even know when we're going to put this up. I will talk to you whenever the next day is that I talk to you. But it will, it'll, it will be before game two. We'll have some fun getting ready for that one. And that's going to be it for us on Lockdown Bucks. That was Frank Man. I'm Eric Name. We will talk to you when we talk to you.